Thank you, Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, for your rendition of our theme and welcome to episode 39 of the Champagne Comedy Podcast, where we talk about the best Australian comedy show from the 90s ever made, The Late Show, and other degeneration comedy tidbits. My name is Matt and joining this podcast today is Alison Daniel, Kim and Tony. Hey! Hey, hey. All good? Great to hear. Yeah, yep. Everyone yeah, just got, nodded got. on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> this is an we already know how to do this. <laughs> nah, we'll uh, never know how to do this. Okay, everybody wave. <laughs> hey, okay, so yeah, if you just imagine that. <laughs> God. Oh, oh gosh, this is, this is riveting stuff for an audio medium so far. <laughs> Cease and desist sending in your barge ask, uh, audio. So uh, as of right now, it's <laughs> officially closed. So you'll find out in the final episode uh, the final results. So we did get a couple more entries. Thank you very much for that. So everyone who has entered, barge us uh, quote in a fart noise and your chance to win uh, the complete box set of Bluey slash barge ass. Uh, thanks to mygeekculture.com.au. Uh, and also the second prize is the Late Show Champagne Edition DVD, as well as um, other prizes being CDs from Lucky Jackson, a.k.a. Toilet Breaks Michael Warren, and an autographed Joan Kerner poster of her being Joan Jett. I love rock and roll. That is autographed to, and who's it signed to again? Les and uh, someone else. And and Chris. So if you're called either Les or Chris, or hopefully you're in a couple with a Les or a Chris, yeah. <laughs> this is perfect for you. Or, or what, what the hell, change your name to match the post. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Deed poll. Yeah, you, you and your partner change your name to Les and Chris. <laughs> no, 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 just, just one person, but you're called Les, you're, so one person called Les and Chris. Okay. We don't want to exclude single people. <laughs> and also uh, a, a book of Tony Martin's Nest of Occasionals, which uh, Daniel G found in a bargain bin. Yeah, rescued. Yes, rescued. There we go. <laughs> brand new, brand new. Stay tuned for the final episode for the complete result. So thank you very much, everyone who has entered for that. I've got the paper. I've got the paper. <laughs> Daniel G and his program guide. Uh, thanks, Matt. So this is What's Up Against Season 2, Episode 19. This comes from Ross Warnicke's Critical Guide in the Saturday Age. And um, basically, there's a lot of movies tonight, although I think most of the better movies, in my personal opinion, come a lot later in the evening. Uh, we'll start with Channel 7. At 8.30, they've got part two of uh, a mini series called Framed. Uh, the first part was last night. Uh, Warnicke uh, says that it's the conclusion of the miniseries about crook Eddie Myers, played by Timothy Dalton, who fakes his own death and makes a new life for himself in Spain, only to be pursued by Detective Sergeant Barge uh, Jackson, <laughs> played by David Morrissey. Uh, then at 10.45, uh, the movie To Kill a Mockingbird. Uh, Warnicke uh, says that it's the excellent 1962 adaptation of Harper Lee's story of racism in a small southern town. Gregory Peck plays the Alabama lawyer defending a black man accused of raping a white girl. A cinema classic, he says. Uh, so much so that he's uh, labelled it the pick of the night. So, I mean, apart from it uh, 
yeah, apart from it being old, I'm not quite sure why they put it at quarter to 11, to be honest. Uh, over to Channel 9, uh, we've got a packed episode of Hey Hey It's Saturday uh, with special guest John Farnham and not much else. Uh, you see, he's promoting his just-released album, Then Again. Uh, it was released uh, the previous Monday. Uh, so to kick things off, uh, he performs the lead single from the album, seemed like a good idea at the time. Uh, but uh, sadly, without the input from the D-Generation, which we'll hear from the music video. Hey, Giovanni, you dovresti suonare la fisarmonica per dare migliore apparenza di fronte al pubblico. What my grandfather is saying, that if you want to crack the international market, you should play the piano accordion. See, the piano accordion... una bella, una bella voce. You've got an okay voice. It's okay. Diventano la bellezza di tutto il mondo. One guitar is useless, he says. John, what's the one common ingredient of every successful rock clip? The music, apart from the music, vision, a smoke machine. John, Trace, thick and moustache. Billy Ray Farnham. One word, John. And Roger. Two words, John. Monster trucks. Gratuitous violence. John, I'm going to say one word to you. Lambarda. <laughs> Your impression. Yeah, I. Um, I Loves it. Ah, memories. Yeah. But uh, yeah, certainly a very visual um, thing. So uh, yeah, go and have a look at uh, yeah all of those uh, suggestions, moustaches and lampada and gratuitous violence uh, in the video clip on YouTube. Next up, we've got uh, hypnotist uh, Peter Powers. My guess is that he might have done the old um, you know eat an onion like it's an apple routine. Um, I haven't given my credit card to Daryl Summers, so I don't know if he actually did that. But uh... I've been hypnotised by Peter Powers before. <laughs> Just oh, casually okay. mentioned. <laughs> kind of hypnotised. <laughs> All right, after Peter Powers, uh, we've got uh, John Farnham again performing this song. You're the reason why. And, uh, yeah, the reason why was uh, co-written by Richard Marks, and that's him uh, on, on the piano uh, in the uh, version on the album. Then after that, we've got not John Farnham, uh, better known as Rhonda Birchmore, doing a cover of uh, Johnny Logan's 1987 Eurovision Song Contest winner. No, you haven't accidentally tuned into Smooth FM. This is still the Champagne Comedy (laughs) Podcast. (laughs) Then with Red Faces, uh, we've got uh, the judges, uh, American jazz and pop singer and pianist uh, Buddy Grieco and John Farnham again. Wow. Only women bleed. Yeah, he performs another cover after that. Again, being very earnest, um, yeah, considering it's a cover of the uh, Alice Cooper 1975 hit. Then to break things up from the Farnham Fest, we've got uh, Molly Meldrum interviewing uh, Michael Crawford uh, in a pre-recorded bit. And then to finish things off, we've got uh, John Farnham, last of all, doing uh, basically a, a favourite from the album. Sandhurst, <laughs> I had to do it. Like power tools. Machinery, 
quality, Daniel, quality. <laughs> I know, it's the obvious joke, but uh, like compared to all the other stuff he's sung so far on Hey Hey, it's it's not out of place, is it? But no, yeah. he, uh, he ends things on, on a much uh, upbeat note with uh, Talk of the Town. It's the town. So there you go, that's Hey Hey with uh, John Farnham and uh, yeah, if you don't like him, yeah, you're shit out of luck, I'm afraid. Um, But uh, yeah, after all that, at 8.30 we've got the movie Another You. Uh, Says Warnicky, it's a tepid 1991 Gene Wilder Richard Pryor comedy about two men, one a pathological liar, the other a con man, who get involved in an absurd get-rich-quick scheme. Neither Wilder nor Pryor can uh, revive the terminally ill script. Then at 10.35, yeah, probably the better of the two movies, Caddyshack. Oh, nice. Says Warnicky, rather mindless 1980 uh, Chevy Chase Rodney Dangerfield comedy set at a swank golf club. The script is weak and what laughs there are come mostly from sight gags. Yeah, I'd have to disagree firmly with Warnicky there. Warnicky is a (laughs) clueless tool if he's getting (laughs) from you like that. Caddyshack is genius. Warnicky in the bin. Warnicky. <laughs> All right, over to Channel 10. Uh, at 8.30, we've got uh, the first of three games uh, in the 1983 NBL Finals, Melbourne Tigers versus the Perth Wildcats. The first game uh, being played tonight uh, is on the Tigers' home turf uh, with the remaining two next Friday and Sunday in Perth. Uh, does anybody care about the score? No. Yeah. Well, my partner would probably be able to tell me if I went in the next room and asked him. <laughs> yeah, to, to, quote, to quote Adam Bant, Google it. <laughs> then after uh, news and sports tonight, at midnight we've got the movie Brazil. Uh, Warnicky mm-hmm. says that it's a 1985 futuristic comedy satire written by director Terry Gilliam and Tom Stoppard that tries to mock bureaucracies but ends up being rather too clumsy and often embarrassingly unfunny. With Jonathan Price and Robert De Niro. Is it the US edit or is it Gillian's cut? I've got no idea, but yeah, considering that this would have been seven years after it came out, probably the original. Oh, I don't know. I reckon it might have been the US one. It took a while for the original to sort of get back into the swing after the Americans cut off the ending to make it happy. (laughs) Oh, dear. Like, it's a notorious case. They really. They totally butchered the film. And, yeah, it's got this ridiculous, happy ending, which, if you've seen Brazil, doesn't make a lot of sense. So if anyone did tape Brazil that night on (laughs) your VHS tape, please check it for us and let us know. I I had no idea that there was a separate edit for it. My memories are hazy. It's possible they made the US one and put it out and then realised it was garbage and buried it. Um, (laughs) there's, There's a really good book out there um, by a guy who died just recently um, that goes into it. But it was, yeah, it was a classic, massive sort of example of Hollywood taking this, you know, if you've seen Brazil, you know it's not a a feel-good film. It's got laughs, but it's not a comedy. And just going, we don't want this. We want something that people are going to laugh at and we're going to chop and change until we get it. Yeah, cool. We want something that's going to test well with audiences. Yeah, um, but Brazil is a good film. But, yeah, buried at midnight if you wanted to watch it. Uh, well, at least it wouldn't clash with the late show anyway. Uh, going over to SBS, the 9.30 movie is The Evil Eye. Uh, says Warnicky, director Claude Chabrol's uneven 1952 drama about a French journalist visiting Germany where he becomes obsessed with the marriage of a well-known author and a French woman, ultimately jeopardising its survival. 
with uh, Jacques Charrier and Stéphane Audran. Um, or as the ad in the green guy put it a lot more pithily, obsession, jealousy, seduction. This study in voyeurism is worth a peep. Get it? Worth a peep? Mm. Voyeurism? Those words, you sounded like you were about to recite a Calvin Klein commercial. <laughs> well, actually, would you want to put on a, a, a odor toilet called Jealousy? There probably is one out there. Oh, it's yeah, it's probably one of those cheap knockoff, you know, mm-hmm. in, in the bargain bin of Chemist Warehouse. That really is poor value. <laughs> <laughs> now, with the listings to the ABC, um, for anything that uh, that Ross Warnicky deems worth a look, he puts a box around the listings and uh, he's done that for most of the ABC lineup, uh, uh, keeping up appearances at 7.30, one foot in the grave at 8 o'clock, the bill at 8.30, wow. even the late show at 10 o'clock. Wow. There's only one program that he doesn't recommend is worth a look at. That's... Birds of a feather. So I think uh, the Late Show and Ross Wilkie um, are thinking alike here. Oh. Well, <laughs> before you go into the description of it, can I just uh, mention some of the comments that there was a recent tweet that went out uh, yeah. from uh, the official <laughs> Leslie Joseph, who plays Dorian. You know, the dirty car. Uh, <laughs> so we, we like it was just them and you know the original cast together. So we put it on, we retweeted it, made a comment, you know, with the sonic trigger. And some people got it, some people didn't. But the comments on here are just hilarious. <laughs> Go on then. So some of them saying it was excruciating watching this, waiting for the real comedy to come on. And then someone <laughs> else has written here, they're still alive. And another one uh, is written here, birds off a feather. <laughs> the slowest 22 minutes of every week. And yeah. someone's gone, I've despised that show. And... <laughs> Another person, the Saturday night entree, quality TV time with my mum. And oh. and then someone's admitted here, oh, my God, I love these guys and have the whole series plus the new ones on DVD. Best show ever. And someone else has written here, can you please clarify which show you're talking about? <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, and here, another one here, made men behaving badly look like Seinfeld. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, they were tw- well, totally different shows, to be honest. I mean, you know, Birds of a Feather is very firmly in dramedy territory. Well, one more, and I promise that's it because there's heaps yeah. of them. Look at it on the, our, the Late Show Facebook page. This one's a perler. This show defied physics in that it blew and sucked at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. It could uh, be said also of the, uh, the episode that's on tonight, uh, season three, episode three, titled Baby Come Back. Sharon is at the shopping centre flogging double glazing, as you do, <laughs> when she meets her ex-boyfriend Dave, with whom she had an affair and whose baby she aborted. However, after Sharon thinks they can get back together, she finds out that Dave already has a wife who is in fact eight months pregnant, which causes an uneasy relationship between them. Meanwhile, Tracy finds herself missing family life and Dorian agonises over what to wear to her nephew's bris. I'm not sure what it would have been, but uh, hopefully uh, something a bit saucy that day. Yeah. <laughs> All right, at 10 o'clock, The Late Show, uh, the listening says that it's the second last edition for 93 with the degeneration. And as I said before, he deems it worth a look. 
Uh, and then after that, at 11 o'clock, Order in the House. At midnight, Smith & Jones. 12.30, ATVI News. And at 1 a.m., we've got Rage. The Green Guide, uh, the Green Guide says that it uh, features an English rock band called the Beatles. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it. Yeah, something, something like that. I <laughs> can't remember. That's a, a bit that's, of a All right. Uh, that's uh, been far too long going through the program. Let's get into the episode itself. Well, thank you very much, Daniel. And let's get into it. Late Show, Season 2, Episode 19, broadcast Saturday, October 23rd, 1993. And we have the opening, and it's this is pretty much one of the best bits, the shocking statistics that one in five children may suffer from a serious spinal or head injury, but make sure that you're filming it and send it into Australia's Funniest Time videos. And yeah, this was a nice cold open, nice and simple, funny good stuff apart from the funniest home videos reference eerily eerily prescient today when we've all got uh, a video camera in our pockets basically stop filming and help somebody you idiots yeah exactly <laughs> um also this sketch uh, features uh mark gibson as the uh, idiot wielding the camera <laughs> it does too yeah <laughs> is he credited as such in the credits yeah he wasn't in the credits unfortunately but uh just under him. producer yeah <laughs> all right after the opening titles the opening remarks and tony and mick are telling the cameraman to settle down because what a shot it was wasn't it go the boom shot well telling the cameraman and the audience to settle down this had a very fiery audience Oh, all the way through. They were going nuts, weren't they? They were cheering and hollering at everything. I was watching this and thinking, oh, face. this is why they stopped. You couldn't have done a third series if you've got an audience more rowdy than this. They would have been yeah. stopped on stage. Yeah, exactly. If you want an, an idea of a little bit of a modern take of that, think, you know, just as, you know, with the Chasers War and everything. So basically from season two, season three onwards, you know, how they suddenly be- got really, really popular and they couldn't do their pranks anymore. That mm. was like that for the you know mm-hmm. the last couple of episodes of season two because they were mm. the it thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, luckily, as we find out further on in the episode, no spoilers, but uh, there are a few people who may not be as familiar with uh, the Late <laughs> Show as we may have thought. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they all recognise Mick. Yeah. <laughs> Did anybody spot um, as the uh, as the camera was coming in the slide? Vic Morrow reference from Tony. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Yes. I, I googled the Vic Morrow thing, and my oh. goodness, that's it's a story, got, isn't it's it? got its own Wikipedia page. Yeah, Twilight, no, Twilight, Twilight Zone accident. It, on it's fucked up. It is. Completely. Don't look it at is. the footage. Don't. Don't. Yeah, no, no, there's, no. there's footage yeah. of that. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, not, there would be. Oh yeah. No. Don't. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh shit. It's, it's available because it's a it's a historical uh, moment, unfortunately, and like it went through yeah. the whole court cases. Rob, like I, I know. Tony can explain all this. I, I know the entire story too. I've I've seen it, and it is very heartbreaking, disturbing to watch, and it's completely accidental. So, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. but it's yeah. Don't muck around on film sets. Don't cut corners. No, as, no, as Alec not. Baldwin discovered. <laughs> yeah. Yes, this is this is worse in that three people died. Um, mm. Essentially, they were filming a Vietnam War scene. And the helicopter landed, except it landed on three people and they died. And if you want further details, you can read about it on Wikipedia or if you really want to look at the footage, I suppose you could go and do that, but it's not can... very nice way to die, let's put it that way. No, it was an industrial accident, basically. And um, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, it was interesting that, that Tony referenced it because, yeah, that would be 
that well now even it's a deep cut film reference and to drop that in at the start of your comedy show probably <laughs> before google would have had a few people you know turning to the next one on the couch and going Nick morrow what it's not the only time when tony has made an obscure movie reference so <laughs> no. yeah he does it a couple of times in this episode on that upbeat note on that note let's go to other uh, unfortunate deaths, and that is all about dinosaurs. So, and look, thirty years later, yeah. big turnaround. Yeah. Very topical. Yeah. Tony declares the end of Dinomania. <laughs> the irony that twenty nine <laughs> years later, slightly premature. Yeah. yeah. But then again, uh, Tony then goes into it's sort of like he's doing another undiscovered masterpiece of, of the the cinema again, talking about how you know this big Jurassic Park thing is being run by four guys apparently. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and a mechanical Sam Neill. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's interesting that, like, yeah, since then Sam Neill's acting career um, and and status has kind of accrued this warm, rosy glow. And you know, watching him and stuff now, he's great. Everyone loves Sam Neill. But yeah, back in the the early nineties when he showed up, it was kind of like, okay, what are we gonna get now? But, yeah. It's we, 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 we would have still called him a New Zealander rather than an Aussie. <laughs> he's only got better. Well, it's the piano, really, isn't it, that probably turned his career around? I think he got old enough to be sort of like the crusty old duffer in a lot of ways. <laughs> I mean, that's what he plays a lot of time in movies. That's what he plays in the new Jurassic Park. He's kind of, yeah, sort of got this avuncular, to use a Tom Gleisner word, um, <laughs> glow around him where, you know, he's... He's great. You love seeing him on screen now. Like a fine bottle of two paddocks wine, he's aged very well. <laughs> All right. Yeah, there we go. They can pay me for that. Don't forget, he they used him in a dish as well as a crusty yes. old fellow. The <laughs> 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 French space program launched their own space shuttle, which was the Yoplay. <laughs> oh, <dear balloon. laughs> I enjoyed that stupid joke. Yeah. Yes. I also like the, the idea that the French are only going to the moon because it's made of cheese. Yeah. Was that the joke that uh, Tony's told Mick not to make? And it was Mick promised that he wouldn't make that joke. And he ended up doing oh, it. Oh, but, anyway. but, it, but they, they keep going with the French yeah. jokes because they're, they're doing a spacewalk against the wind. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's a kind of, yeah, it's, it's like a checklist of French cliches, but, you know, yeah. it's kind of fun. Yeah. And Mick's well, kind of dressed up about a bit Marcel Marceau with his yeah. black and white striped <laughs> top, isn't he? Yes. Then they also refer to Bob Hawke buying a building by accident. He never actually meant to buy the building. He was walking past at the time of the auction, <laughs> and the auctioneer got confused when he looked over and saw Bob going, Yeah! 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 <laughs> That's like a really bad impression of Bob Hawke, and yet it's really perfect as well. <laughs> also, I, I, can't, I, I cannot understand the, the weird kind of ear pull that Mick does. Like, I don't associate, associate that with Hawkey at all. Oh, what? Well, yeah, well, you, you need to watch it. He used to do that. Yeah. You need to watch yeah. more Gilly's report. <laughs> oh, yeah. Gilly's report. About 80% of Max Gilly's impression is sort of turning and tugging the ear and going, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that, that, and- that was the 1980s, though, wasn't it? At, like, literally everyone, like, in the schoolyard, your parents were all going, ah, yeah. <laughs> doing their pop <laughs> pulling the ear. Yeah. <laughs> also, a country practice moved from Channel 7 to Channel 10. Mick demands to bring back Cookie, 
What a great little throwback to season two, episode one, with that where uh, mm. Cookie was playing Panama. That was one of the few moments where the audience didn't go wild. <laughs> <laughs> no, they they kind of went collectively. Who is this guy? Yeah, they are. I would have known Cookie from my childhood. <laughs> well, well, I mean, they knew who he was, but it was more actually. It was more like, what the hell is he doing? I think is probably <laughs> yes. the reaction to yes. Why? Panama. Why is this happening? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you-know-who at the you-know-what. News desk with Tommy G. The budget has made it through Parliament thanks to two Green Senators and this is where, uh, what's his name, Scott McPhee or I do apologise, I should have looked this up earlier. It could have been his brother Ross. Ross, yeah. We get <laughs> the McPhees a lot, which is fantastic. So thank you, guys. They clarified who these Green Senators were from the last episode. But, you know, oh, here we go, Ross McPhee, bam. Christabel Chamaret and... D. Margett, basically the two who come out. So Tommy really just uh, has a one-on-one chat with him. Well, Tom, remember when you were at university and there were always a couple of mature-age students that everyone wanted to kill (laughs) because they were the only people who read all the recommended reading material and finished their assignments six months in advance. I like to think of myself as a little like that, whereas D. is more the kind of person who... Enjoys finishing other people's sentences and who's done a few too many high school debates, so I'm very emphatic and I have a tendency to not make it clear whether my sentence is finished or not. Would you which say it that hasn't. It has. It has now. It has now. It's <laughs> I like how they are just stuck in 1982 as well. That's just, mm. they like 1982 and they're not ashamed of it. Uh, remember when Australian politics was this bland? But yet, yeah. but you also had Paul Keating saying, you know, all sorts of things in Parliament. So it was kind of exciting in that sense. Pretty much uh, the, these two senators uh, tend to block anything and everything and... What made them come around? Well, they were offered uh, their own fashion label, which they demonstrate with slides, which was, you know, quality uh, venture shopping catalogue type <laughs> looks. Oh, God, venture. Yeah. Yes. It, it's very much the pilot for the female premiere, isn't it? You know, the, <laughs> yeah. the, the boxy clothing and all mm. that. Yeah. Yeah. And um, Prime Minister Paul Keating is very pleased with the budget getting through and who is live patched in via satellite. Uh, good evening, Tommy. <laughs> uh, hang on, hang on uh, Mr Keating, I must say you, you look you look just a little strange. Uh, yes, everyone looks like this on Cyprian TV, Tommy. Uh, I'm not too bad. You should see what the Queen looks like. <laughs> yeah, uh, right, if we could perhaps we have the, the Prime Minister back. Yes. I do lots of impressions, Tommy. Sure you do. This is John Blackman for Telecom Mobile. Yeah, fine. Well, we got it in this way. So, um, does that count as a, a Blackman joke, a John Blackman Telecom joke? So, therefore, yeah, it's the twelfth one, yeah. or is it 11 and a half? <laughs> yeah, cool, cool, cool and a half, I reckon. All right, cool, 11 and but, a half. But as, as Thomas said, you know, they got it in for another week. I did enjoy this budget joke, though. You must be happy about the budget finally being passed. Yes, I'm cock-a-hoop, Tommy. Over the moon, off my nut. In fact, I was just joking about it to John Dawkins the other day. I said, this bill is moving so slowly, I don't think we'll ever budget. You see, budget? That's a ball terror, that one, isn't it, Tommy? That's a Tell me, did the, uh, did the treasurer laugh? No, no, he didn't. <laughs> and then, yeah, after a malfunction with the lip sync, uh, then the RSPCA released footage from a cockfighting ring, <laughs> and there's before and after shots of the dirty bird. <laughs> That's a Tommy G zinger. Oh. 
<laughs> Sorry, that's not another KFC reference, is it? Oh no, there was no, there was no, no pun. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'll claim that then. That wasn't intentional. <laughs> so, uh, all they did was stuck a couple of hooks into a roast short. Uh, though Tommy G does state that uh, he'd rather have a black a duck cop it instead. And more silence from the Wouldn't audience. All- yeah, no. <laughs> too like, many what? fans. What's that about? <laughs> Why are there Pluck a Duck fans in a late show audience? What's wrong with them? (laughs) Well, I guess that this was probably like early in Pluck a Duck's, you know, rise to fame. So he still sort of seemed fresh and young and promising. He wasn't sure to well past his use-by date. People really dug that that sexual assault vibe in the early 90s. (laughs) (laughs) He was a young up-and-comer with the world at his feet. Yeah. (laughs) China sends $100,000 worth of clothing to Victoria flood victims in the form of Beijing 2000 t-shirts. <laughs> that that deserves that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, in sport, Diego Maradona, sorry, Maradona, arrives in Australia <laughs> to play uh, for Argentina, though he's escaping cameras due to a mix-up with his luggage and they show footage of drugs. And then there's been a call for banning of bull bars. And this is where the part where in the DVD where you see... Um, Tommy G at the news desk and the bull bars aren't dangerous bam straight into the wall and down comes basically the set behind him that's really well done isn't it that's Mm. really well done you could kind of see that Tommy's like if I stay still everything will be fine (laughs) Mr. Beaucaire said it would be fine (laughs) (laughs) then he goes to explain the reason why he was safe because it was these two um, things that blocked it which were the green senators coming out from underneath the desk Mm. Yeah. Very clever. Nice one. Yeah. Oh, poor Jane and Judith having to hide underneath the desk while all that stuff is going around, uh, going on around them. Commercial time, and it's basically a commercial taking the piss out of all insurances, really. It's SFA or sweet fuck all, I'm guessing. <laughs> Pretty much it's an accident-prone male being played by Tommy G. Tommy G <laughs> is really good at pulling off that sort of gormless facial expression as he, you know, stupidly runs over the cat and so on. <laughs> there are some great props slash stunt work in this as well. Mm. I, I like the reaction when he chopped his hand off. Yeah. <laughs> and it just kept spurting out this fake blood. <laughs> he just and thought then, it was over the, and it just kept going. The second, the second the accident happens, he's waving his insurance documents. Going, <laughs> I'm fine, I'm fine. Yeah. And yeah, the, the only bit which survives um, into the best bits is uh, the closing part with... Uh, uh, Jane essentially, yeah, uh, portray- uh, portraying. Well, I suppose it's technically one of the Amy girls. I would say, <laughs> yeah, more, most, most yeah. likely, yeah. with 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 huge uh, a huge headset, which is obviously covering up for the fact that uh, suddenly, you know, two sides of a arrow are going to be, you know, basically sprouting yeah. out either side of it at mm. short uh, short notice. That's very well done. You know, you yeah. can really not see the join on that. Music time, and it's a different little... They replay the freeze frame gallery. It's the same one from a few episodes back. I I went through it, um, but yeah, we get the freeze frame again. If you missed it last time, you forgot to tape it, now you can watch it. Yeah, and it's so much easier when you have VHS to be able to actually forward the frame by frame and see exactly what's going on. Nowadays with digital, if anyone's kind of digitised their copy, it's extremely hard to actually uh, pause it properly and see exactly what's going on. Yes. Luckily, we've got our VHSs. We'll send out uh, all the still shots so you won't miss out, even the word scrotum, which (laughs) no one forgot it. So don't forget the scrotum. 
Thank you. Well, that's what, that's for all the get this listeners out there. But yes, the the music video and when you look back at this, so Santa introduces REM, Everybody Hurts, the music video, their version of the music video. So, like, here's the thing: it's the proper song. Yeah. Mm. So they've obviously paid a whatever rights it was to make sure that it sounded like it wouldn't work in this case. Yeah, made it to the DVD. REM big fans. <laughs> the Michael Stipe is just going hell yeah yeah so as per the DVD you see all the panning shots of everyone in the car with their quotes coming up yeah sort of their, their inner thoughts coming up in subtitle form and there are, there are some absolute pearlers in this one I wrote down two that I particularly liked so um, I quite like uh, Rob's one which is I'm going to be late for jazz ballet <laughs> um, and he, I, I think he's wearing the skivvy at, at that time so you know he's, he's looking very much like the Rob Sitch character um, and then, the, then there's Jane, and she's looking very sort of, oh, I don't know. And and her caption is, "How do I tell Jim Whaley it's over?" <laughs> so there's a, there's a slight sort of look forward to Brooke Vandenberg there, um, <laughs> in, a, in a sense, I suppose. But yeah, the, then there's the punchline. I, I don't know if you we've got, which is quite good, but there's probably a few others before. Oh, yeah, yeah, there's a yeah, there's a, a, a few others uh, throughout as well. I mean, there's a few more. Uh, standard ones uh, like Santo thinking about shoes with zippers. Yeah, that, that was my favourite one personally. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Tony Martin doing the um, yeah clucking chicken um, motion with uh, I feel like I feel chicken like tonight, chicken tonight. <laughs> like chicken tonight. The, the first one that was stuck in an REM clip, just my yeah. luck. But there's also a cameo which the audience didn't really get. Well, it was sort of blink, blink and you miss it, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. And you, you had to sort of know, and you didn't see him clearly until, like, the camera had almost passed by him. Like, I, I recognised mm-hmm. him, but it was, like, not until the bit was almost done. Like, I don't know, they needed to light him better or something. So that was Peter Brock uh, saying that this isn't Conrod Strait. <laughs> And then, well, how the hell do you end this kind of a sketch? Bring in uh, Tommy Dyser and... Uh, His wife. They're, they're genuine. <laughs> uh, yeah, Tommy Dyser and uh, Joan Brockenshire standing in front of a wreck uh, vehicle trying to uh, still trying to get past. G-O. G-G-O. Oh, we did miss out on one, though. Judith was in the car saying, I haven't even got oh, my yes. driver's licence. Looking so much like a depressed teenager in that shot. <laughs> well, luckily the traffic's not moving, so technically not driving. Now, if anyone wants to be a complete nerd and tell us what bridge they were under at the time when they filmed that, I, no, please don't. It's probably that bridge in Melbourne where, you know, like there's always a truck crashing. Oh, into Montague. It. Montague. <laughs> Montague yeah. Street Bridge, yeah. It'll be that if one. If only it was. Yeah. No. <laughs> now, is it, now that you've said it, I'm thinking because it would have had, you would have had to have. A road that was probably closed off. Would it be near the Westgate Bridge? No, no, it's not. There, there's a few. It probably would have been one of the inner city overpasses and underpasses that Jeff Kennett was sort of just starting to think about building because a lot of them are, you know, you could close off quite easily. There's one I'm thinking of, um, which I'm sure they didn't use, but there's a big one just near the Crown Casino now that you could quite easily, you know, do stuff under that and so on but melbourne's got a lot of roads street interview time and tony and mick asked the general public if the abc is worth its eight and a half cents a day now, so, now how you you say the general public but 
considering <laughs> that this is the ABC, basically it's just old people all the way throughout this Fox Pop segment. And they only yeah. ask about the ABC like the first question and a half, and then it's like, do you recognise Mick Malloy, basically? <laughs> <laughs> There's a guy named Mick Malloy. Do you like him? Oh, yes, very good, very good. Yeah. <laughs> just say to him if he were here now. Oh, I just say to him uh, that I do watch you. And I do like you, and I reckon you're doing excellent job. You think you'll go a long way? Yeah, I reckon a long way, many years. <laughs> and then Mick no, is just standing right next to him. He's never heard of him in his life. <laughs> Clearly a fan. 100%. But I did enjoy this one, though. Uh, I, I, I don't think it was. I didn't compare the Best Bits DVD for it, but I'm pretty sure this one was cut out. What about back chat? Do you ever see that? Yeah, sometimes. With Tim Bout? Yeah. Um, he's pretty good the way he picks up all the faults on the media. Yeah? Do you ever write into back chat yourself and complain? Um, no, not really. No? Because no, the media do f*** up. <laughs> this will be on back chat now, you realize. I think Definitely she's talking about media out. watch. She, I reckon she's talking about media watch there. Mm. Yeah, I think so. But anyway, too. whatever. Yeah. <laughs> None of these people know what they're talking about. Did we recognise which part of Melbourne they were in? Because they must have been running out of locations at this point. Because, um, you know, they were in Ackland Street at one point and I think Commercial Road at another. But, yeah, they must have been running out of places to go to at this stage. I just assumed it was another bit of Ackland Street or Commercial Road that they were on, you know, like across the road from where they'd previously been or something. <laughs> well, I, all I could think of was, like, so I'm not familiar with the Melbourne the, uh, streets, uh, but I was looking at the tiles and, you know, the shops that they were hanging out at, and it kind of looked like the shops that might have been... You know, remember when they did the Best Dressed? Mm. Oh, yeah. The guy yeah, with okay. the mullet and, um, you know, mm. fun with a fist coming out of it. Yeah, that... <laughs> I thought it was that street. Or, oh, that, or that was that was that, that was the national anthem one. Yeah, talking about that area at least. <laughs> they knew they would get some good footage there. I yeah. thought it was near an athletics field because one of the ladies uh, <laughs> has to go to the javelin toss. <laughs> <laughs> See the light show. The what? The light show. Oh yes. Yeah. Yeah. What, what do you like on that program? Well, that's uh, what's what's his name? Mick Malloy. Yes, that's good. Yeah, you, you like Mick Malloy? Yeah. You, what do you like about him? Well, it's, 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 it's very interesting. Mm. No, I'd have to concur. <laughs> I'd have to concur. Do you like Mick Malloy, sir? Ah, oh, you know, he has his moments. He's very cute. What would you say if Mick Malloy was here now? What would you say to him? Well, very compliments. My, oh. Yeah. <laughs> do you think he's going to go a long way or go to the top? Huh? Do you think he's going to make his mark in television? Do you think he's, like, potentially the next Don Lane? I don't know who's Don Lane. (laughs) You don't know Don Lane, sir? No. Uh, Don Lane is... is, is, Which which channel is he? He's on the ABC now, isn't he, Mick? I think it's Sky Channel, the last report. I don't don't remember the name. What about Bert Newton? No, I don't know. I heard about him, but I never, never, never watched him. Ernie Sigley? No, I don't. I only I just. <laughs> but you know who Mick Malloy is. <laughs> I heard about him. Yeah. yeah. Yep, never heard of any of these things in their whole life. I like the bit towards the end of this where they they sort of film this guy who's just standing against a shop wall 
and he's wearing a kind of overcoat and they just dub over the James Bond music and they say, <laughs> oh, I think that guy's a commercial network spy. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it just a pretty silly moment. I, I enjoyed that. Well, it's another Tony movie reference there. Yeah, indeed. Time for commercial crime stoppers and the theme. These are um, graduates from Mick and Santo's Royal Academy of Method Acting and Late Night TV Ad Performance. There's De Niro, oh, there was, was Meryl Streep. Robert De Niro, Meryl Streep, Daniel Day-Lewis. I don't know about anyone else here, but I know Martin Whitehouse, which I'm about to play the commercial for, was prominent in around Sydney at the time. So when I saw this commercial, I just had throwbacks. Hey, Martin Whitehouse, you here selling more group garages? No, I'm introducing a new product. A new product? Well, really a market extension of an existing product, our wood grain weatherboard, but for house cleaning. You mean the long-life wood grain zinc aluminium colour bond weatherboard that you made famous? Yeah, but we've insulated it too. So it's warm in winter and cool in summer. How did you do that? And so forth. It goes on for another, like, 30-odd seconds. It's, it's no really Jeff and Terry. Spark- it's sparkling dialogue, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, he, he was quite prominent in the 80s and 90s, Martin Whitehouse, around Sydney. So, um, but I couldn't find any commercials on YouTube, which... It's probably a good thing. So, um, yeah, other than that, uh, there was also the Rent Buster guy. Yeah, do, do we think he's the uh, father of the Wallet Wizard guy? <laughs> <laughs> he's certainly, like, certainly similarly acting. Then there was also the Commercial Crime Stoppers motto. Higher, faster, Pamia. It's got to be. Well, hang on, so what we've seen, that is a great motto. I'm glad we went down one. that track too. Um, it was someone yeah, writing that motto down. <laughs> We got it. <laughs> but the next one was all about um, a certain window security company. So, and it starts with being on the phone. Sheridan, how lovely to hear from you, dear. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Warnicky would approve. Thank you very much. Now, here it is. Oh, hi, Mum. No, John's away interstate. The kids are fine. No, I'm not worried at all. John had Basco removable security bars fitted to the inside of the windows. No, they look great. Of course it's safe. In an emergency, you can exit at the turn of a key. With Basco bars, I have comfort, security and peace of mind. There's also that that particular sort of TV ad acting sin, I call it, where <laughs> they, 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 there are those minuscule gaps uh, for the the other person on the line that they're not talking to, obviously, it's sort of like you know, like if you if you were trying to imagine the unheard uh, other side of the conversation with that phone call, they wouldn't be able to get a word in with all of the you know talking about the benefits of the Basco bar system. <laughs> Having spent a bit of time recently in in rural Victoria, they do have, <laughs> still have ads of that lip, slightly better made than those ads. But there are still quite a few ads that are just somebody reciting a script to camera in not the most polished of forms. But it's just, you know, you never see them in the big cities. No. You know what it does remind me of? Remember this one from many episodes ago? I've lost 30 kilos in 49 weeks. Yeah, she hasn't quite worked out where to put the pause and how long for the pause to be in that bit. No. Yeah, but that yeah. is kind of the least of our worries when, <laughs> in terms of what she's how she's delivering the lines. Do you reckon that when they shot this ad, she said afterwards, "Oh, did, was I okay in that?" And they said, "Yeah, you were great." <laughs> <laughs> 
Should I play the snippet where Santo and Mick decide to give her a call? Oh, yeah, they, they really had yeah. fun with this. Hello, nice performance. By the way, are you worried about speaking on national television in an annoyingly high-pitched voice? No, I'm not worried at all. Uh-huh. Are you worried that despite numerous UN peace initiatives in Bosnia, mm-hmm. the Serbo-Croatian conflict escalates every day with no solution in sight? No, I'm not worried at all. Uh-huh. <laughs> are you worried that you're becoming repetitive? No, I'm not worried at all. <laughs> Uh, just before we do go, uh, what do you reckon about the hats? Do you yeah. think they might be a little bit daggy? No, they look great. We should explain that they're both wearing the uh, the, the graduate mortarboard. Yeah, you know, things with the tassels off the side. Is that, what, are they called mortarboards? I don't know. Mm, what it's a mortarboard. Yep. Obviously, I've never graduated from uni, so. <laughs> Well, I'm when you do sure. graduate from yeah. uni, you get to wear it for about an hour because you've hired it and oh, then you have yeah. to give it back. So it's oh. kind of disappointing. I'm not even sure when I graduated that I got the mortarboard. I think I was sort of, and at my trendy new university that I went to, I think we just had the regular robes, but no hat. See, the, mm. you've, you've been ripped off there. Yeah, you know, that's the only reason you go there is to get yeah. the waterboard photo. I was ripped off photo. in a variety of ways with my university degree, it's turned out over the years. But, yeah, the lack of mortarboard is definitely one of the numerous ways. Yeah, I had to hold a fake degree for the photo as well, if I recall. Yeah, yeah, fake degree. No, we, yeah, we actually got our degrees at unnamed university, but, yeah, we had to rent the robes, and I was getting a... I think I, I got a deg- honours with my degree, so I got an extra fancy stripe, which I was very pleased with till I actually showed up on the day and the people there on the stage had like 12 different, you know, they were wearing rainbow technicolored dream coat outfits <laughs> with, you know, stripes and flares and big buffy hats with feathers sticking oh, out of them. Some of them have got you fur were... trims and, you know. Yeah, it was crazy you, you were essentially outranked were you tony oh yeah. oh yeah no i was right down the bottom and and at a university that wasn't at the top in the first place so um yeah oh good times uh, all, all, of, all of these fancy mortarboards with the different colors and stripes and all that is just making me think geez these would be ideal candidates for stupid hat day yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. There very very stupid academic hats out there <laughs> There's a lot going on, yeah. After that <laughs> diversion, let's go back to commercial crime stoppers. Yeah, the other commercials we got are, say, Newcastle Permanent, and which was quality acting by Mick and Santo in that commercial. Yeah, quite timely, the discussion of interest rates, which we don't probably <laughs> want to get into again, but oh, we do no. not discuss <laughs> interest rates. Hey, so Daniel, how is your interest rate going? <laughs> Uh, oh, don't, don't they're, just play, they're plaguing me like that. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and also the something that was inspired, I guess, by Vikings or early edition of Game of Thrones on the budget, which was the Saxon wood heater. The yeah, there's a nice, I... nice cardboard ship in the background there that they all seem to be coming off of. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the only thing I like about that ad is that final line, uh, that it's a Viking good idea. It's a substitute for fucking. <laughs> it's just a bit of fun. 
Barjas, and it is the sound of Barjas. Well, not only do we have special guest Sonny Bono Shadley without share this week, but <laughs> we have the sound of Barjas, adapted from the musical by Rogerson Hammerstein with additional songs by Kevin Bloody Wilson. <laughs> now, I know what you're thinking here. Why would Richard Rogers and Oscar Hammerstein, the renowned American duo, famous for writing wholesome musicals like Oklahoma and The Sound of Music, collaborate with Kevin Bloody Wilson, the man who wrote Born Again Piss Tank and Rootin' in the Back of the Ute. <laughs> well, well, my research suggests that Mr Bloody Wilson may have made this contribution to The Sound of Music. What is it you can't face? <laughs> right. Write in and tell me I'm wrong, people. Back to you, Matt. Thank you very much, <laughs> So, and this one is just pure fart. So, Bar just <laughs> makes four farts in 30 seconds and he's gone too far. It's so important, you know, and so bad that it's made the national headlines in the newspaper. And also, another headline, did you see what was... Yeah, what? Late mm. Show promise no more phony newspaper headlines. I don't, I don't think they will keep that promise somehow, but... Anyway, thanks for playing. So uh, the Chief is introducing uh, good taste into the series as well, uh, starting with wardrobe. Yeah, we have a representative from Casual Squad appear, (laughs) wearing a very nice polo shirt in blue. Gorgeous. (laughs) (laughs) Casual Squad. Hold on. It's just a guess, but I think it's barge ass. (laughs) (laughs) it's just it's such a stupid joke but it's so well executed yeah Yeah. oh that's one of those you have to pause and just leave (laughs) have a good laugh no, no, no one else. <laughs> oh, I've gone red in the face. Yeah. <laughs> I'm crying here. <laughs> it's so, you should see that Tony's just got like the straight in his face. <laughs> oh, I don't know what to think. I mean, it's funny, but uh, there's, there's funny and then there's funny and there's <laughs> that fart. <laughs> yeah. Usually I've got no problems at all with fart <laughs> jokes, but you... I'm sorry, I lost it. Matt, play What Will I Do. That'll stop your laughing. Uh, <laughs> yes. What Will I Do. Oh, yeah, it works. <laughs> oh. There we go, that's done God, I'm so sorry. But yeah, it sort of it it it, it digresses yeah, uh, from uh, yeah, basically a comment on the uh, yeah, smart casual <laughs> attire of uh, all the people in in the Bluey series to um, somebody being accused of uh, being a dirty great pole puncher. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and you hear that, you think, what is that? Have I missed what the, what that actually means? And then Detective Pole and a Casual Squad. Where's your red shirt? And, lady, where's your slack suit? We don't have to take orders from you. What? You heard the lady, you dirty great pole puncher. Pole puncher? That's a lie. I am not a pole puncher. Uh, well, according to her, you are. It's true. Ah! <laughs> pole puncher! 
I, I think I think what I really love about that phrase, you dirty great pole puncher, is that it's a phrase which seems dirty, but you know, like when you break it down, is it? Yeah, mm. if you, you if you say it to someone in the general public and call mm. them a pole puncher, it's mm. going to be someone's going to take major offence at that, like something derogatory, yeah. and <laughs> next thing you know, yeah, you, you you've been back chatted on Twitter. <laughs> but then Ann Burke tries to convince Barjas it's all okay. He'll look as trendy as Glenn Twenty as well, with his sort <laughs> 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 of giggle. can we talk briefly about the food that they're eating in this scene it's very kind of (laughs) 70s chinese takeaway or what i don't know what it is it looked delicious (laughs) looked msg like just total msg it's very brown isn't it yeah yeah. but uh only barjas would do it if he was to promote his new album the many moods of barjas now i did not have any grabs for this because that's quite a fair bit but i did create a playlist on the champagnecomedy.com youtube channel the many moods of barjas which i will share all 29 installments all 29 songs of the playlist so i did it on youtube because spotify doesn't have every single one of them at the time and yeah, there's a there's a long list of uh, of perfectly um, uh, appropriate uh, song titles scrolling along the bottom of the screen. I've got a feeling this might have been a team effort uh, from all of the uh, DJ. Yeah, it's everything from smells like Teen Spirit to uh, yummy, yummy, yummy. I've got love in my tummy. <laughs> and then like, in like, the air the, tonight. Yeah, all, all these fart, fart-based ones, wind beneath my wings, summer breeze. I'm surprised at that there's a song called Life is a Minestrone. <laughs> and like, you, you would have found that on YouTube then. Yeah, like every single song I found on YouTube, and they're mm-hmm. all legit. So you'll be able to hear it in the Many Moods of Barge Ass playlist on our Champagne Comedy YouTube channel. Out now on Hefty Records. There we go. <laughs> and we're on stage now, couch time, and Tony explains how Barjas is bluey and blah, blah, blah. And a friend of ours and frequent participant in this program, Mr. Copyright Pete Smith, was cleaning out his basement the other day and he found... Um, just trying to picture Pete Smith cleaning out his basement. <laughs> Everything has to go. <laughs> uh, so uh, apparently Pete Smith found a tape of bluey that was dubbed in Italian. And which he then proceeds to play the dubbed Italian Barjas clip from the Italian Late Show. Il programma retardo. <laughs> and it's which no, that that is that is the the correct translation. As anybody who's ever had to go through the Avanti books in <laughs> primary school in the eighties and nineties can attest to. Dario is sempre in ritardo. <laughs> Dario is always late. <laughs> Mate, thank you for that translation. So uh, Tommy G then reads out fan mail from Amy Newsom, who asks the cast uh, how they remember the lines, and that's when they basically do a rehash of all the times that they fluffed it, especially Judas' one that was written on her wrist. It's a nightclub stamp. <laughs> <laughs> also, Jane uh, reads out a letter asking... Now, now see, here's the thing. This is very REM heavy. Like, they loved REM because they... Uh, someone had written in asking if they knew the words to REM, the Sidewinder Sleeps Tonight. And Jane claims it's coming in to bake the bread. Santo says coming in to Vegas, yeah. Of course, nowadays we could just Google it. Call me when you try to wake her up. 
REM lyrics were quite notorious for being difficult to understand, and I guess Michael Stipe, his diction maybe needed a bit of work. Michael Stipe. <laughs> or maybe photocopy a bum yeah, and make Michael it into a cake. Stipe. Yeah. But then that, that's also kind of the charm of it, of, of the songs. You have no idea what they're about. You've got to leave space for the audience to, you know, project their own interests in there. <laughs> that's true. Uh. <laughs> but, yeah, this is, this is all just a ruse for... Um, uh, Jane and uh, Santo to uh, uh, basically ask a, a famous friend of theirs. Jane, you got a that's no, no, completely no. wrong. No, it's take my hand and we'll make take it. My, I swear. Take my. He hey. says, take my hair. Take hair, my hair and hair. we'll make it. Wait, no way. It's not what do you reckon? What do you reckon? I have <laughs> It was all about Bon Jovi, and that was Bon Jovi there. Yeah. John Bon Jovi. John Bon Jovi. Sorry. Yep. Give him his first name. <laughs> Yeah, I want to. I want to know exactly what he was saying after that. They just kind of cut him off in the middle of his nod, didn't they? Yeah, one line. He gets one line. The same number of lines as uh, Wayne Goss. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, that was Hawkins. Sorry. So Jace goes through a whole bunch of lookalikes, including one where Jane's just naked. Or look like Jane. <laughs> Well, there were so many. Mm. So, Alison, you started this whole yeah, look thing. At you. This whole yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't start this. There was someone before <laughs> me. But, but the thing is, if you get in early, you get you get several. You get a minute or so of airtime. Yeah. Whereas there's about twenty of these lookalikes, and they just cycle through them really, really quickly. Yeah, they yeah. just didn't get that airtime that you did. <laughs> I think. I think my 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 favourite one is uh, the one that that's uh, compared to Tony's. Makeup laden uh, portrayal of Arnold Schwarzenegger, yeah. <laughs> which, uh, which is well, it's the ABC uh, Adelaide uh, TV newsreader at the time. Um, uh, at, at the at the time, his name was Shane Danner, and then he moved to well, he changed his name to Shane Fankhauser, moved to Germany, and was reading the news for Deutsche Welle in Germany. Yeah, oh, wow. Yeah. So yeah. the the only reason. The only reason I know this is because um, uh, community uh, TV would uh, always uh, regularly air the Deutsche Villa News, I think because it was free off the satellite, essentially. <laughs> of course. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I, just think, I, think he, I think Shane might have moved back to Adelaide. I haven't been able to track him well, down. He always said he'd, he'd be back. So. <laughs> <laughs> so. But it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a superb lookalike. Shane, Shane Dannett slash Fankhauser and, um, uh, yeah, uh, Schwarzenegger Martin. Just, just pause to recognise the good work by Kim there. Very <laughs> that was brilliant. Yeah, yeah we, if, if you keep laughing, Matt, we're going to have to have the, the theme song again. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on. What a life. Brings the mood back down to serious. That <laughs> was a fantastic joke. No yeah, pun there. No pun there. Work, <laughs> Round of applause for Kim, I think. Yeah, that, that was yeah, hundred percent. Not as bad as the, as the Myrtle Danger from last time. So what was that? <laughs> Myrtle Danger. Oh. That was a good one from me. Last that, that was that again. That that's a round of applause worthy joke. Yeah. <laughs> I did like the the way in this bit where they had the picture of Jace that turned out to actually be Jace and <laughs> illustrating how getting a uni degree can make you a success and then he's just ended up on the ABC. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's something that I'm quite familiar with as well. Oh. <laughs> you, you got you got the degree, you, you got to wear the hat for an hour, 
Then what happened? Return it. <laughs> You're on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but uh, so Rob reads out a letter claiming that Rob's uh, claim of meeting Tom and Santa in school was completely false. Oh, boo-hoo. But this is where the teaser actually come in because Rob does reveal how he truly met Santo. Of course, I'm an excellent driver. That's me drive slow on the drive. Yeah, that was the was trailer for Rain Man. So, and here's the reveal. Look, I told you I'm a brother. I don't have a brother, Doctor. Santo, would you like to come out? I watch Jeopardy at 5.30. I like watching Jeopardy at 5.30. I watch Surely he should have said, I like to watch Wheel of Fortune at 5.30. Hold on, what did he say? I watch Jeopardy at 5.30. I like watching Jeopardy at 5.30. <laughs> was this when Tony Barber was hosting Jeopardy? Tony Barber. Yeah, because it was season yeah. two. Okay. Barber was hosting that for quite a brief period of time. Yeah. Like it was only about a year or two that that lasted. Yeah, 93, it was Jeopardy, yeah. But and nice Rain reference Man, to TVTV. And those Rain Man references have not aged well. It's it's not a film that is that is lingered in the pop culture consciousness for a variety of reasons. Even now when everyone's banging on about Tom Cruise is back because Top Gun is a good movie, Rain Man is not a film that people are being directed <laughs> towards. <laughs> of course not. <laughs> Yeah, I, th- I think a portrayal of a neurodiverse character would be done differently these days. Mm. Put it that way. Yeah. And But still on the couch, uh, Judith uh, explains that she's been having dreams of Mick arguing and other type of dreams. Uh, so they end up seeing a psychotherapist, a dream analysis, uh, uh, and also Dr. Malcolm McMillan, author of is it Freud Evaluated. Yeah. And uh, Freud, a, yep. a firefighter and Santo's mum. This is a, a bit of a interesting, I guess, sketch that Judith has put together. It's a weird old yeah. sketch, really. It, it feels like something that that actually happened to some extent. Mm. Like you wouldn't make up the "I was having dreams of Mick and they got violent, so I asked someone what they were about." It's like that's that's a very convoluted setup. It, it's it's like if Judith actually went to these doctors for personal reasons, and the best way to you know, claim it back was to turn it into a sketch. So who'd claim it back on the ABC? And the, the bits with Mick seem to be filmed in someone's apartment. So I'm sure they claimed the rent back for a few weeks as well. <laughs> Especially with the dream uh, analysis, who was just sitting there trying not to laugh. Yeah, Lynn, who, who uh, thankfully uh, declined to provide their surname. I think the end where they go into, what what's the movie parody? I, I oh, Blue notice. Lagoon, yeah. That's it, yeah. I think that sort of saves the whole thing, just with a whole lot of Mick in a blonde wig staring off into space. <laughs> sort of, yeah. Good value there. Oh, I really couldn't get much out of it. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, second last episode, um, they can't all be winners. No, of course not, no. 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 And it, it's it's a bit of a prelude, that... though, to Judith's later work. You know, more yeah. recently she's done shows like... Um, Oh, spiritual journey. Yeah. Yeah, spiritual journey, exactly, where she'll she'll sort of talk about issues and, you know, talk to experts and stuff, except in a well in a more serious way, she's she's sort of, you know, this is a sketch here. Yeah. Yeah. And even on I think was on when she was on the weekly she was doing this sort of thing where she would meet experts and just have some really ridiculous sort of proposition that they would be trying to deal with while she's straight facedly talking rubbish uh, yeah, it was just the the audience you could tell like that they were there for other people in that show if that makes sense 
Yeah, as we'll find out a bit later yep. on. Yeah. We have the toilet break, and it's not your average toilet break because even though Tony does explain that uh, in the clip how serious potluck was, because someone had actually sent in a clip, like a newspaper clipping, uh, praising potluck. Oh, yeah, so I think well, yeah, it was from yeah, a was... new idea or a Woman's Day from when, when the show was actually launched at the time and Ernie Sigley saying, yeah. this is going to be great, we're not going to, well, he didn't say I'm not going to take the piss out of them, but he's saying <laughs> we're going to treat them like humans and we're not gonna, it's going to be like, <laughs> we're going to respect yep. the, them and it's going to be, it's all going to be great. Yeah, that's the arc of so many Australian <laughs> television shows. They come up and it's like, this is going to be different. It's going to be quality with respect. It's good acts. Mm. And then, you know, three weeks later, it's like, how are we going to keep people watching? I know more clowns. <laughs> <laughs> so what Tony did, because he was explaining that there was so much gold in potluck to play. And, but... and, and only two episodes to go. Yeah, so here's a trifecta. I shorten this down a little bit further just to squeeze it in. Lights! Music! Action! Moonlight light. Oh, sing along in the like a breeze drifting over the sky. Now the first bit was the lights, camera, action was it didn't they didn't mention the name, um, nothing mm. came up of it, but the, it was more visual than anything because as she's doing her dance routine, that her microphone battery pack fell off. That was funny. That was a <laughs> and good she moment. kept going. Yeah, yeah, good on her to keep going. Oh but yeah, she she but, lost whatever yeah. credibility she gained <laughs> <laughs> the second that happened. Yeah. Act four, which was the second one, uh, the moonlight lightning. Um, that was Michael uh, Dagger or Dagger, uh, who's a dead set chick magnet. <laughs> so um, <laughs> he just looked like a really classy eighties lounge singer. And then he also the last one was Act Six, Kenneth Cooper, who looked like someone. I reckon Kenneth had had a couple. I'd say he's straight <laughs> from the RSL. Well, yeah. I was. I, I well, was he had his. Yeah, had you, his I think you're, you're about to say it, Tony, aren't you? Yeah, he had his Air Force blazer on with the the crest on the pocket. So Air I'm Force. I thought, I thought of... that might have been Freemasons. Oh, well, I don't know if you advertise if you're in the Freemasons. It's all secret handshakes and wink and a nod. Because um, you they couldn't really do the scores on that the lights, camera, action woman and Michael Dager, uh, but they did score Kenneth Cooper. So, Daniel, before you reveal the results, let's hear what Bernard has to say about Kenneth Cooper. Kenneth lists his hobbies as restoring classic cars. I hope he treats. Yes, I hope he treats the cars with more respect than he treated the music he presented today. Ten, Kenneth, that was just Ten. awful. Ron Bannon for Kenneth Cooper. Awful. And just awful. Oh. <laughs> awful, awful, awful. Oh, don't worry. Yeah. Anne Wills would have said something nice. Yeah, I don't think it was that bad. I mean, it wasn't great, but it wasn't, you know. <laughs> Yeah, it's, just, it's like a pub sing-along <laughs> yeah. type vibe, isn't it? You know, if he if Pretty he much. is ex ex Air Force, he probably even his mates in the in the regimental pub would have just sung along to songs like that. And he thought, yeah, all right, I'll go on this TV show and give it a bash. Oh yeah, ten. But yeah, that's that's definitely Bernie King, short, sharp, and scathing. Awful, just mm. awful. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, yeah, that 10 points from Bernie King uh, puts him 
again, uh, equal 14th uh, with a whole bunch of other people. Uh, last episode, uh, Gary Bond with Take Me Away. Uh, Razia, Krista Krull. Um, yeah, basically, yeah, second bottom, essentially. So uh, will uh, next episode's uh, potluck act uh, be enough to unseat our front runner, Piffy? We'll find out. No one can beat Piffy, surely. Sizzle. <laughs> All right. It's time for Graham and the Colonel, and oh my God. <laughs> Sweeping the nation, that craze. <laughs> Madness. <laughs> Inexplicable. Me! <laughs> that, yeah, see, that's where the audience was really there for. That, it sounded like the Santo fan club. Yeah, I wish I were there. <laughs> <laughs> would, you, would you have been tearing your hair out and going, yeah? yeah. I probably, well, that was probably the, the general gist of every episode, so I don't know why this one was particularly special. <laughs> maybe there's just something in the air that, that night that, that made that a little bit more. <laughs> there's something that... in the air, presumably helium. Oh, yeah, bar, bar gas jokes, obviously. Yeah. Oh, all right, but... They plugged David Boone's new book in the firing line. Uh, and I do love this joke. Graham, hasn't Boone blossomed as a writer ever since he left that Mills guy? Oh, <laughs> hasn't he's just blossomed so much? He's just really... He's gone solo. <laughs> and they throw to uh, apparently Booney in the crowd, in the audience. Yeah, always that was one. a good lookalike. Yeah. But also we get to see um, some of Boone's previous literary works uh, with Mills that for the love of an opener. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely double entendre there. Yeah. So the Spring Carnival, uh, they talk about the Phantom Chase winning the Cox Plate uh, and Duffelcoat Supreme is jinxed. They have all the diseases. So they went through everything that he had last year, such as gout, tennis elbow, <laughs> dandruff, PMT. He was Italian. <laughs> He's a stallion. Yeah. <laughs> he can't have PMT. <laughs> but I do love the fact that they added more to that joke, which he had bulimia, thanks to... <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, Santo had his copy of Cosmopolitan, otherwise he wouldn't have known yes. what that was. <laughs> Acne and split ends. So I spoke to the vet last night yeah. and uh, he's given it a treatment shampoo to oh. fix the split ends yeah. and he reckons it won't happen overnight but it will happen. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast is so visual, it's not. It's just freaking hilarious. Every now and then we just all shrug to the camera. We got nothing to do. It was beautiful. Yeah, so... If you guys at home aren't enjoying it, it's because you can't see what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> Your fault, not ours. Yeah, We're exactly. hilarious. Exactly. So, uh, but they had problems with the jockey uh, because their jockey wears a checkered shirt, sheriff's badge, badge and a 10-gallon hat. Yep. And his name, Tex. His Tex. <laughs> Um, the soccer player accepting the giant check from an Arab bank, they showed a clip of. Um, Graham had a mix-up and he pulls out a big check. Just let this sound sink in. There you go. Oh, actually, when you actually... No, no, let this sound sink in. <laughs> yeah, it's sinking in now. <laughs> Nothing like yeah, a big prop. It, his little perforation thing, that's, the, that's like ASMR from the 90s, isn't it? That, that sound of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, all, all I'm, I'm reminded of, and I forget where Tony Martin would have said this, but 
I remember him saying that somebody described a fart as uh, sounding like a giant check ripped from a giant checkbook. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Very interesting. I think it might have been one of the radio shows he mentioned that on. I think so, yeah. Play, play it again. Just let the sound sink in. There you go. It's a fart. It's a fart. You've got to do it nice and deep. <laughs> like a fart. <laughs> Jesus. Sorry, like in, in addition to being, you know, working dog slash late show aficionados, we're also fart aficionados. Hold on. I'm not aficionados. <laughs> Oh no! Oh no! He's he's I'm, he's putting his his no. bun in front of the mic. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hold on. Let me just get. Let's see if this works. This is where the audience should be glad they can't see it. Okay. I'm just got. Right. I've got a notepad. Hold on. Wait. <laughs> Pretty good. Mm. Gosh, I think we should all get our notepads out. Yeah. Here, this is <laughs> this is my one here. <laughs> I don't, I don't have anything papery around me, I'm afraid. Yeah, I've only got an iPhone. I'm going to have to, like, you know. Oh, you've got to go old school. You've got to have your notepads. <laughs> All right. And also, uh, Australian cricket team selections. Graham wonders if Bruce Reed will get in. Colonel says that it's because of the waif look is back. They mentioned Kate Moss as well. Kate Moss was uh, probably the most famous waif-like well, basically person looking at the time. An abandoned person. Mm. Looking skinny. Skinny and underfed. We're back on stage now and Jane and Tony are on the couch and Tony just happens to be sitting on a copy of the VHS of uh, The Best Bits of the Late Show, Volume 2. Yeah, like even, even though it seems like they're running really late as are we, uh, there's always time to, to plug the Sunday repeat and the Volume 2 tape. Because Tony um, keeps asking Mick to get the musical closing uh, and Mick keeps screwing it up. He calls on Jane to do it to get Huey Lewis in the news. I gotta admit, this is probably one of the better ones. Yep. And Jane actually gets Haley Lewis. Now I'm playing it real straight. And this I cut my hair. You might think I'm crazy, but I don't even care. I can tell what's going on. It's hip to be square. So hip to be square. I, I love that the audience starts to clap along to the song because um, uh, my, my, my younger brother, Ross, um, really hates that. Like, it seems to especially be British audiences on, on panel shows and, and light entertainment shows and, and the like uh, always seem to be uh, really quick to clap along to somebody singing. I, I was actually trying to track down Huey, not Huey Lewis, uh, <laughs> Huey Lewis, uh, uh, but stupid me, I forgot how far into the week it was and I couldn't get her in time. So that's my own fault there. My bad. Oh, well. But, yeah, it's like... This is, it's, this it's is like, nicely it's done. Bad. Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. I like the um, synchronised swimmers and then her um, sort of confused look at the synchronised swimmers going, what are these women doing? Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it's nicely done round the pool. Time for the credit roll. And, Daniel, was there any Easter eggs? Uh, not too much uh, in the way of special guests. Uh, we've only got Peter Brock, John Bon Jovi and Hayley Lewis. Uh, also appearing were Warren Begg, Lynn Benson, Joan Brockenshire, Tommy Dysart, Alison Lloyd, Dr Malcolm McMillan, uh, David Montalty, Dr Peter O'Connor, Catherine Skolker, Michael Skolker uh, and Susan Trensky. And uh, the thanks went to ABC News, John Diedrich, Roland McAdam, the estate of the late Gerda Nicholson, uh, Victorian synchronised swimming, and Wesley College Paran. Uh, I think that might have been where they uh, they filmed the uh, um, 
musical finale. Um, and there was also uh, one other thank you uh, at the end because, uh, yeah, usually uh, at the end uh, of, the, of the credits they put that the D-Generation would like to thank Apocalypse, Apple Computer, Choice Systems, Damaroo, Sportsville, The Facility, Triple M. But they also added Ansett Australia to that list. So... Mm. Well, they, they do mention Ansett. Is it Ansett they mentioned during the mm. Rain Man? Yeah, and then that was, and then he talks about Qantas because that, that was the whole famous line where he says yeah. how Qantas is the best airline. Um, so maybe they should have said apologies to Ansett rather than thank you. <laughs> <laughs> maybe they got a free mystery flight or two out of it. <laughs> mystery flights, God, those were the days, weren't they? Do they still do mystery <laughs> flights? They still exist. I, I know people who still get mystery flights. Older relatives of mine and whatnot. Lucky them. Yeah, they're obviously really bored. Anyway, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but obviously there was no solicit for the audience tickets because it's basically the final episode coming up. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, that, so yeah, they they changed the uh, uh, ticket phone in numbers and only got to use it for one week. <laughs> <laughs> no, right. But uh, that pretty much uh, wraps up season two, episode nineteen of the Late Show, as well as episode thirty-nine of the Champagne Comedy Podcast. So we got there in the end. Sorry for the big mm. laugh in the middle. I do apologise for Barjas. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so well, yeah, please join us for our final episode for the Late Show. Uh, one episode to go. One wow. to go. So wow. if you made it this far, I can't believe we've made it. Yeah, we've done. Don't we do this for nearly two years now? We have. Yeah. Is it all started because of um, some virus that plagued the world? So, yeah. Um, thank you very much, and we'll keep soldiering on for this final episode. It's going to be a big one. So I might as well. Yeah. If you got this far, I'll spoil it for you right now. If all else <laughs> works to plan, we'll have. Two major guests on. Okay, they're not D-Gen people. Okay, sorry. I'm going to get that all that hot. I really, really, really tried. We, we, we got a maybe and then it fizzled out. So, um, oh, well. no, but we do have um, two cast members, one we've already had on, and also someone who's somewhat been uh, loosely associated with a running joke throughout season two. So that's all I'll say. They're going to give – well, we're going to – own that person in. Cool. There's some sizzle for you. So please join us for a, a freaking huge uh, episode 40 and the final episode yeah, of the last show. Yeah, this this might run long. I mean, who knows? This could be a two-parter. Possibly, yeah. And, yeah, we are continuing on afterwards too. So I've already spoken to everyone, Alison, Daniel, Kim, Prue, Tony, and then they're all on board to continue on. But me, I've got a thing, so you have to work it out yourselves. So it's <laughs> – no, we'll probably be doing frontline and other stuff. So, yeah, we'll be still sticking around like a bad barge-ass fart. So can, please... can I just scotch any rumours that we'll be doing a Birds of a Feather podcast? <laughs> we, we are definitely not doing a Birds of a Feather podcast. Well, oh. we kind of already have by the amount of time to them. Someone else can have thing is off. that I'm, I'm out of here. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And oh, well, I was sticking around for. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so feel free to email us uh, champagnelateshow at gmail.com, Twitter at TLSchampagne, website champagnecomedy.com, Facebook, The Late Show page, also the podcast group on um, Facebook, um, answer the three, three questions and you're in. If you do it, if you actually answer the questions – it automatically lets you in. Don't make me manually approve you. Don't make me work. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's only up there to 
keep the spam out 100%, okay? Um, and also of Redbubble Store, Bitly, uh, Champagne Comedy. So thank you again, Alison, Daniel, Kim, and Tony for coming back on. Bye. Thank Let's you. do it again. Bye. See you next time. Yeah. Bye, everyone. I'm Matt, and catch you in the next Bye. episode. Thank you for listening to the Champagne Comedy Podcast, created by fans for the fans. For more information on this podcast, please visit champagnecomedy.com. Produced by Matt Fulton Productions, mattfulton.com.au.